Today on the Andrew Kubrider Show, Cameron and Bashir faced off for their last debate last night. I know I've been following those debates pretty heavy for y'all. So I figured I, we would take the best outtakes because Cameron, he came out swinging. We'll go over the best bits and how if this Cameron, this Cameron that we saw last night, that's a Cameron who can win if it's not too little, too late. Then for my audio only listeners, the Kentucky Democrats think they caught Cameron up in a hypocrisy when it comes to shutting down churches. It just goes to show how little they understand about liberty and conservative philosophy. Well, of course, that last story there is for audio only listeners. So those are people listening on the podcast format. And you can hear that on uh, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, iHeart, Pandora, all major podcasting platforms. And as always, please make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe. If you're listening to this on the podcast platform, please take the time to leave a five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. We've got some good stuff brewing over here. Hopefully, we've got a big announcement to make uh, this week. Hopefully, I can make it this week. Um, I think you all will be very, very excited about the direction the show is going here. Um, big announcement. So we'll have that hopefully later this week. Um, but without further ado, let's get into it. So last night, was the WKYT, the Kentucky debate, uh, and it was the last debate of the season. And at this point, it's always interesting. I believe they've debated a lot. I think over the last week or two, they've debated five times. Not a lot of breathing room. And of course, as you go on, you should get better. And we all know that the KAT debate was not a stellar performance by Cameron. But apparently, somebody on his campaign team or he said enough was enough, and it is time for us to get our crap together. I just hope it's, once again, not too little too late. But it's time for our, us to get our stuff together, and we need to put some victories up on the board. We need to be inspiring. We need to show just how bad Bashir is. We need to punch back. And that is what we got last night. A very exciting um, back and forth. And I tell you what, I perked up about six minutes into this debate when I heard uh, this first outtake here. I perked up. Maybe you'll see why I like it so much uh, if you follow the podcast and understand me at all. Uh, here we go. This this maybe was one of my favorite, other than uh, perhaps uh, the exchange on abortion they had later, which I'll go over. But this right here, this this one line here, and then kind of the follow-up. Oh, oh, chef's kiss. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's exactly what I want to see from a conservative candidate. Here we go. General Cameron. Look, the folks at home just heard the governor say he gauges how well the economy is doing is by how much money the government is taking in. He said the revenue that government's taking in. You at home gauge how the economy is doing by how much money you have in your wallet and in your savings account. And that's why I want to give more of it back to you. Look, at the end of the day, there's a philosophical difference here. I believe that you should have more of your hard-earned money in your pocket. Andy Bashir believes, and you just heard him say, he wants more revenue to the government. And I didn't say anything about raising any sales taxes. The governor keeps talking about this, but the fact of the matter is my plan is to eliminate Kentucky's income tax. I'm gonna do it smart and thoughtfully, along with the members of our legislature. I appreciate Chairman McDaniel and Jason Petrie and others in our General Assembly. And here's the, the best part of that, is that I have a relationship with our General Assembly to get these big things done for this Commonwealth of Kentucky. At the end of the day, this is a philosophical difference. The governor believes that the uh, government should have more of your money. I want you to have more of your money. Ooh, doggy. That line at that beginning, those of you who know me know, oh, I love it. 
I love it. Andy Bashir judges how well the economy is doing off of how much revenue the government is bringing in. What a succinct way to describe the problem with Andy Bashir's claim that the economy is just on fire, even though people like you and me aren't feeling it. Because to Bashir, it is on fire. The government is making more money. More people, more companies are coming in and spending lots of money bringing high paying jobs, quote unquote. Of course, with inflation, those jobs values go down. We'll go over that. All these companies are supposedly coming in with these high-end jobs and everything else. And so therefore, there's more revenue coming in to the government. So he calls that a success. But what Cameron was pointing out, I know I just played you part of that response, but he said this throughout. What he was pointing out was that the median income of Kentucky families has gone down by significant amounts. That the number of people working has gone down, even though the number of jobs filled has gone up because more people are having to work second and third jobs, making an obvious and direct point. And that really handles it because when Bashir's talking about economic revenue and we've got an economy on fire, he's talking about things like surpluses into the government, the amount of money the government's bringing in, the investments government can make, how many hundreds of millions of our tax dollars can they hand out to private companies? That is all about what's good for the government, not about what's good for you. And what's good for you in America, if you're a capitalist, if you're somebody who believes in liberty and freedom is to be left alone, and that means you're left alone to fail, but you're also left alone to succeed. Get the government off your back and out of my pocket. That is conservative economic policy. And that's what I want to see from a governor. And that one line right there, right, it was about six minutes into that debate. It really got me going. That really picked me up. Really picked me up. But then on this line of economy, the next question uh, turns to um, about workforce failures, how, how we have the lowest workforce participation rate in this state's history. They're a little back and forth on this. Uh, let's give that a listen. Uh, folks at home, you, you would think that Andy Bashir has not been the governor for the last three and a half years. The fact of the matter, there are 22,000 fewer Kentuckians working under his watch. We have the lowest workforce participation rate that we've had in this, in this country's or Commonwealth's history. That is under this governor. But yet tonight he unveils programs and policies, but he's had four years to get something done on this front. You need a governor who's going to lean into this issue, and that is what I'll do as the next governor. I'm going to make sure that able-bodied participants get to work. This governor will never say that because he's beholden to the far left, and he cannot speak out and say that able-bodied people, we need to get you back into our workforce. All right, Governor Bashir. Bill, every program I mentioned is already in effect or I've put in one then of why my aren't budgets. They working, but governor? once again, zero plan from my opponent, and instead, just attacks. You deserve somebody that is running for something and not just against someone. That'll talk about the ideas and the ways that we get things done. My opponent only sees in Team Red or Team Blue. This is about Team Kentucky. An overly partisan governor will always look to play the blame game or to attack. We've got to get things done. That's what being a governor is all about. Bill, if I may. I'll give you a second. Go so, ahead. Well, I just asked the folks at home, if these programs exist, then why aren't they working? We obviously need a new governor that can instill some policies and programs in place to get folks working. I've already said, if you're at home and not working, able-bodied individuals need to get back into the workforce. I've talked to so many employers that need folks to come and work in their facilities. And the way, part of the way in which we do that is to encourage able-bodied people to get home. I will be the workforce governor this Andy Bashir has been welfare governor. Yeah. 
The proof is in the pudding. You know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So, so true. So what happened right before that was they, of course, we're talking about workforce participation, people getting back to work. And Bashir talked about all these policies he's has or, or is working on getting in place and some of them he has. And so Cameron called him out and saying, well, why aren't those policies there? And he says, well, they are there. Cameron's retort and exactly right. Why aren't they working then? You know, if it's working by the results that you're able to see, we have a record low workforce participation rate. You know, one of the things that Bashir talked about that was so great and amazing that his uh, administration has done to improve workforce development is create uh, um, having these employers bring to the universities their their curriculum that they want to see. So then the universities go ahead and train them into those uh, uh, jobs. You know, universities that are funded by you and I. So Bashir's grand plan of economic development of, of labor workforce involves you and I funding the training program for companies raking in millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet here we are, the taxpayer subsidizing their training program. Now, of course, Cameron didn't hit him on that because you kind of got to think of that in the moment. But he did hit him on the fact that even though we're subsidizing all that, even though we've made that part of these deals as you're giving away our money to these giant corporations, even though what you haven't done is provided results. And that is exactly the question that needs to be asked. Where are the results? If these things work, where are the results? Because they're lacking and they're not happening. It's not there. We're looking around wondering, there are two job openings for every one person looking for a job. Where's your workforce? Where is the workforce at? And creating training programs paid for by the taxpayer to employ the same people who are already working somewhere else isn't getting people back to work, Bashir. What gets people back to work is when they're not allowed to laze around like they're in a hammock and instead have to go out there and work for their survival because, and you can say that's mean and cold all you want. You'd be like, Andrew, that's mean. You know, you got to have a heart. Listen, I didn't put you on this earth, okay? It's a consequence of being a human being that you have to work and provide for yourself and for your family should you choose to have one, for yourself and your family. That is a consequence of you being a human. That is your duty. As an individual who's alive on this earth, I didn't create that. This country didn't create that. Bashir didn't create that. Cameron didn't create that. No political party created that. That's the way the world works. If you're left alone in the woods and you didn't want to work, you would die. Therefore, we need to get people back to work and providing for themselves exactly what Cameron's saying. And of course, Bashir coming in with all his plans. But yet, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of this? Well, coming up, we're going to go over, um, so, so two things that, that uh, Cameron has struggled with, vouchers and abortion in prior debates. He finally figured out uh, a little bit of a winning formula to hit back on Bashir in this last debate. We'll be going over what that is after this short break. All right, so moving next into uh, this last debate here, um, we had a, the conversation on school vouchers. Now, as I've said in prior shows, I don't understand quite Cameron's aversion to talking about vouchers uh, and to kind of covering it and talking about school choice. He has an aversion to it. I don't know why. I don't know what data he's seeing. I don't know who's told him that. But regardless, he's had that issue. But finally, we're going to hear two retorts here on school vouchers uh, from Cameron. It seems like he's figured out a way to respond. Let's take uh, a listen. 
Look, Andy Bashir can throw a tantrum about vouchers tonight, uh, but my plan, the Cameron Ketchup plan, is about our public education system. And you're going to. Andy Bashir can throw a tantrum about vouchers tonight, heading him off at the pass. You know what he's going to do. You know he's going to hammer you over the fact that you're not going to answer about vouchers. And so you know he's going to hammer you and keep talking about vouchers because for some reason, Cameron thinks it works for him. And for some reason, uh, or for some reason, Bashir thinks that works for him. And for some reason, Cameron won't answer on it. Still don't know why. Would love some clarity from somebody on that. But anyways, anyways, regardless of that, regardless, putting that to the side, Good retort to start off, but then Andy Bashir does visit that voucher issue and continues hammering on it. So later on, a few minutes later in the debate, this is what Cameron had to say. General Assembly, but if you're for vouchers, you're not going to get that funding. You're going to take it out of schools. Just be honest. There he goes, the robot Andy, talking about vouchers again. Again, I'm talking about public education. I'm talking. There he goes, robot Andy, talking about vouchers again. Oof. See, that's the kind of stuff you got to be ready there to call them out. Just, just, you know, you're tired of it. Of course, everybody's tired. This is a uh, very far end debate here. Um, everybody's tired about it, but it's fantastic that he comes back and hits him with that retort. And now he's saying, well, I'm talking about public schools. So they move in to a little bit more about public education. And of course, Bashir makes all of his empty promises. And here Cameron goes pointing out exactly why when Bashir promises these teachers a raise, promises them this or that, he can't deliver. It's an empty promise. Bashir can promise you the moon if you're a teacher. He can't deliver. He knows he can't. They're empty promises. And here's Cameron in the debate last night. He's going to call that out, doing it very smartly, intelligently, and giving a real-world example of exactly what he means. Uh, here's his response. Governor is talking about his education policies and these raises, but just in that answer, you heard the governor throw the legislature under the bus. And if you are a parent at home, or even if you're a teacher, or if you're a student watching tonight, you've got to think to yourself, if a governor is willing to throw the legislature under the bus in a comment related to education, how then is he going to be in a position to pass uh, legislation to help our teachers and our students and our families? The answer is he won't because he does not have the relationships to get anything done. Again, when he unveiled his education plan, the uh, education chair of the House Education Committee said that the governor hadn't reached out to him to even talk about the plan. When I unveiled my education plan, I did it in a responsible manner. I talked to the members of our legislature, and guess what? I've already got the buy-in from them to get the Cameron Ketchup plan passed. There you go. A perfect real-world example that Bashir makes plans without even talking to the legislature. Bashir has no relationship with the legislature, so it doesn't matter what plans he lays or promises he makes teachers. He can't make it happen. It's a very good position for Bashir to be in. You can promise people the moon, and you know for a fact that the legislature, well, they're not going to deliver it for you, and that means you can go ahead and blame it on them. It's, it's wonderful. It's a great plan for Bashir. Oh, well, it didn't happen. That's not my fault. I tried the best I could, but those mean old Republicans, I mean, that is just a, a, a very good easy out for somebody like Bashir. Now, there was one more moment that was um, uh, pretty good overall that I think was, was pretty solid and not just solid, was pretty great. 
And this was their back and forth when it came to abortions. This is a longer clip. I'm going to play it for you in its entirety, but you're going to hear this is how Cameron should have been handling this abortion question in debates since the very beginning. Here's what he had to say. You know, we need to keep in mind that every baby uh, is an image bearer of God. And I think that we need to establish here in Kentucky a culture of life. And that is the difference between the governor and I. I want to see more lives born, and this governor wants to see more abortions. I think you need to have a governor that is fighting every day to have fewer abortions. And his second largest campaign donor is Planned Parenthood. And Planned Parenthood has made money in a business model off of destroying black communities. In fact, 79% of their facilities are in non-white communities. I am Planned Parenthood's worst nightmare. That's why Andy Bashir is doing their bidding. Margaret Sanger wanted to destroy the black community. Planned Parenthood wants to destroy the black community. And Andy Bashir is doing their bidding right now. I've always been for reasonable restrictions on abortion, especially late-term procedures. But my opponent has now had 11 different chances to look at a camera and to tell you whether he is personally for exceptions for rape and incest. I'll show you how. I am personally for exceptions for rape and incest. Those individuals deserve options. And he must be talking about contributions to an independent expenditure, but his biggest contributor to those is for school choice and vouchers. And oh yes, owns part of a company Daniel Cameron's trying to send $40 million of opioid money to. That's a pretty good return on investment, I guess. Further response, General Cameron? Look, what I will say is that I've already said repeatedly uh, that if those exceptions made it to my desk, I would sign them. Uh, but this governor, again, is backed by an organization that wanted, through its founder, to destroy black communities. Will you and I'm, the, I'm Planned Parenthood's worst nightmare. Let me just say, this governor can spare us his righteous indignation because when he was in private practice, when sex abuse allegations were made against the Boy Scouts of America, guess who was defending the Boy Scouts of America? Andy Bashir. So much so that he got those cases dismissed. Uh, just to be clear, you would just await uh, the decision of the General Assembly on that matter. Let me talk. I'm sorry, say that again. You would await the General Assembly's judgment yeah, on the matter. I would, sign, I would sign those exceptions if they came. But let me also say that this is a governor. He talks about late-term restrictions, but he never says what that means. Andy Bashir wants no limits on abortions because his record demonstrates that. Uh, he had a chance to sign a 15-week ban on abortion. He vetoed that. He had a chance to sign legislation to protect a baby after it was born alive. He vetoed that. He's told taxpayers he wants them to pay for abortions. Andy Bashir has never said what his limit is on abortion. Nobody ever asked him that. Governor, what is your limit on abortion? No, there's no limit on abortion. I'll answer for him. He paused. Are you afraid for me to you answer? Pa you paused. Bill, <laughs> right now, the law in Kentucky is zero. No options whatsoever. Bill, he's not Parents answering. right now Bill, he's that not answering. are having a non-viable pregnancy are forced to carry that baby. One couple whose baby was going to be born without a brain because of the law that he supports. But this was time number 12, Bill. Bill that he you could said look there in were camera. four some exceptions. Bill, he just yes, he will not Bill, answer. Since I, since I ran for attorney general, I've always been public that I support reasonable restrictions, especially on late-term procedures. What does late-term mean? Those were set during Roe v. Wade was, by what, the courts, what does late -term and there were significant restrictions Bill, you got to ask him, what law. does late-term mean? Because You're asking, he, he, is there an answer to that, Governor? Yes. Under Roe v. Wade, there were significant so, restrictions that were set. What does they that were mean, set by Governor? the courts, and what, we what believe does that, mean? that they got what, it right. What does that mean? There were lots of restrictions, especially on late-term procedures. Is that 15 weeks? Is that 20 procedures. weeks? Is that 30 weeks? 
The reality right now uh, is Kentucky's uh, law no is answer. zero weeks. This and governor that's has no answer for you. All right, he nearly, has no answer. We're moving no on. Nearly no answer for you. See, that's the way to handle the abortion question. See, so often you've heard me talk about this in this show when I've talked priorly uh, about is abortion a losing issue for Republicans, a show I did uh, quite a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago. And I went over the ins and outs of this. And here exactly is the issue. So often they ask Republicans where your line's at, but nobody's asking the Democrats, where is your line at? And Bashir has no line. He doesn't want to tell you what the line is. He he says, well, we should go back to what the restrictions were on Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade didn't have a line in it. It just said you couldn't uh, uh, um, you couldn't pass a law that restricted, generally speaking, past viability. So um, pre viability, you could res- you you couldn't restrict pre viability, but you could pass laws restricting up to viability. But it didn't show exactly where the line was. That was still for every state to decide. It just gave, I guess, a a floor, but not a ceiling. And Cameron's exactly right to say, what does that mean? Give us a week. You say you want to go back to Roe v. Wade's restrictions. Well, what were they? What does that mean? What weekend should we be at? That's the way to hit them on that abortion question. That's the way to handle it. That's the way to pull out Bashir. And pointing out the uh, Boy Scouts of, uh, of, of America, rape case, pedophile. Fantastic. Yes, point that out. This guy wants to put on his Mr. Rogers sweatshirt and pretend like he's the one who really cares while he's murdering babies and has no limit to when he'd murder babies. That's extreme. That's crazy. That's something Kentucky needs to know about. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today. For those of you on the video format, for those of you listening to the podcast format, please bear with us because after this short break, the uh, uh, Kentucky Democrats have put out a video on camera and they think they really found him uh, uh, somehow being a hypocrite. Uh, We'll see what the case really is after this short break. All right. So the Democrats think that they have really caught Cameron up in some hypocrisy because now he's against church closings and somehow before he was in support of them. They've released uh, this video here. And really, it just goes to show that to them, I guess, I guess I, I'm going to frame up this video because you're going to hear it. And I want you to hear what I'm talking about here. To them, providing information and encouraging people to do something is the same thing as forcing them to do something with the power of government. I mean, it's it, put it to you this way, right? There is a philosophical difference, okay? Let's say you're somebody who, um, let's take an issue. I don't want to really debate about it, so don't email me debating about it. I don't care. Uh, let's take seatbelt laws. Generally speaking, I think you should wear a seatbelt. I mean, I think most of us believe you should wear a seatbelt. It's a safe thing to do. However, seatbelt laws, at the same time, you are not really damaging anybody but yourself. If you get into a car accident and you die from it because you weren't wearing your seatbelt, that's on you. That affects you. I guess it affects your family, but that's your personal choice, your personal decision for you to make. You made the decision to not use proper safety equipment while driving your car in a way that only affects you, no one else. No one else just affects you. And so if... For an example, I'm somebody who generally thinks seatbelt laws are an overreach of government. Disagree with me all you want to. I don't care, but I think it's an overreach of government. However, that doesn't mean the same thing as me saying that 
I still think you should wear a seatbelt. So while at the same time, I think seatbelt tickets and laws are an overreach of government, certainly as well when you're driving 20 miles an hour, I've gotten a seatbelt ticket before downtown Lexington when I was driving from my bank to another bank that was just down the road and literally the downtown Lexington rush hour is driving like 15, 20 miles an hour. Cop pulls me over for seatbelt ticket. Ridiculous. I didn't wear one because I was driving 10 feet down the road. And well, frankly, it's slow traffic. Wearing a seatbelt or not isn't going to affect my damages there. Anyways, I don't want to argue about it, like I said. But my point is this. Just because I say I'm against seatbelt laws doesn't mean I'm against you wearing a seatbelt. Just means I'm against seatbelt laws. Well, here they've got Cameron talking uh, during COVID uh, about over Easter and, and they've compared that to what he's saying now. And somehow he's a flip flopper hypocrite for this. Let's take a listen. Good Friday and Easter weekend. I know a lot of us are disappointed or discouraged by the fact that we're not going to be able to celebrate in person with our families or our church communities in the ways that we've done traditionally. Uh, but I've been so proud of the way that Kentuckians have stepped up uh, to help slow the spread and to flatten the curve as it relates to COVID-19. I just want to provide a word of encouragement uh, and a reminder that these changes are only temporary. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that these actions that we are taking here in the Commonwealth uh, to flatten the curve are part of a larger effort being led by President Trump and others uh, to save lives and to stop the spread of this terrible disease. Would you have shut down churches, particularly during the outset. Look, I wouldn't infringed on your constitutional rights. This governor shut down your churches. He, he tried to shut down your First Amendment right to assemble if you were uh, going to church. Well, we've got to trust our health care experts to guide us uh, on when it is safe to resume our, our normal lives. How is that at all the same thing? Where in, in Cameron's response did he say, and I'm going to arrest you for going to church or the governor should arrest you for going to church. The full effect of law should hold you accountable for going to church. Let us not forget this governor stood before a camera, held up a notice saying you would be under house arrest if you didn't. If you went to church, you would go under house arrest on Easter. If you went to church on Easter celebrating the birth of your Lord and Savior, he would put you under house arrest for it. How is Steam before Cameron saying that the same as saying, hey, look, guys, I know this sucks and we can't celebrate in the way we're used to. Because even a lot of churches that would have been in person, you provide the information, they make their decisions. Maybe they would have required masks. Maybe they had social distancing. Maybe they had other things. That still is different than we're used to. And that's still a far cry from saying shutting down churches. And when did Trump ever stand up there and say the government should come in like Gestapo and shut down a church. But this is the this is the thing Democrats don't understand because in their mind, there's no difference between advice and force. It's the same thing to them. If they if you think something's a good idea, simply telling people, I think this is a good idea, you should do it, to them means the same thing as I want to use the force of government to do it. We see them when they're arguing with us all the time over some of these social issues or other things. I'll give you an example. I've I don't know, when I see a company doing something I don't agree with or celebrating something I don't agree with, you know, they're, they're out there, you know, what are transing the kids, you know, Target, whatever, right? I'm not saying government should come in full force of government and say, you can't make that, you can't sell that, you can't do X, Y, Z. What I'm saying is, 
is that I believe that that person shouldn't do it. There's a difference between an opinion and full force of government. There's a big difference. I think everybody should belong to some religion and higher power because it gives greater purpose to their life. And I think it should be Christianity. Does that mean now that I want to use government to force you all to be Christians? Of course not. I'm just stating and holding an opinion. And just because I'm for freedom and liberty doesn't mean now I'm devoid of any opinion. Doesn't mean I don't have an idea about the way I want to see things go. Doesn't mean that at all. But yet, to the Democrats, to these people, that is exactly what it means. You have an opinion? You have advice? Well, you must want to use the force of the police state to enforce your opinion on us. Because that's the way they think. They think if something's a good idea, advice, well, then we should just use the force of government to do it. Because personal accountability, personal responsibility, and personal choices, and paying consequences for your actions, for the decisions you make in your own life, well, that's something they don't want you to feel. Instead, they want government to come in like a big brother and take care of you. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining me. We'll be back here tomorrow, um, you know, with a new episode. Like I said, I got a big announcement coming, hopefully, uh, this week. So uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day.